You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and on my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Today, I have a very special guest with me. She's someone I have been dying to chat with for a while now. She has had probably the greatest overview of the meteoric rise of Annie the Musical. She's the daughter of Annie creator Martin Sharnan. After growing up around the Broadway phenomena and spending several years performing, she left show business behind and went on to put her stamp in the fashion world, working on such publications as Vanity Fair, Seventeen, Allure, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, Us Weekly, and currently is the style director of CBS Watch. She's the author of Secrets of a Stylist, an insider's guide to styling the stars. Please welcome Sasha Sharnan Morrison. How are you? Oh my God, I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I mean, how could we not talk to the girl who (laughs) saw all of this sort of happen in front of her eyes? I mean, (laughs) where to begin? But your father created one of the most successful musicals of all time. My father sold luggage at Roosevelt Field. So just different. (laughs) I love Roosevelt Field. You love Roosevelt Field. We're going to (laughs) talk about clothes and shopping in a minute. Well, let's go back before Annie. Your parents met doing West Side Story. Yes. Some people do not know that Martin was an original cast member of that show. Yes. And your mother was part of that show as well. And that's where they met. Um, Tell me what kind of stories they would tell you about meeting each other, working on probably the other, one of the other most historic musicals of all time. Oh my God. I know. It's very, it's a very New York, it's a true love story, New York story, and very rare that um, two people met on the stage and, and fell in love. Um, you know, my brother also, <laughs> this story is so crazy. His mother, Lynn Ross, was a great dancer, um, was in West Side with my dad. And, um, and then my mother replaced her on stage and in real life. 
Okay. So that um, is a lot to follow. So your dad was with so much. I so my father was a, was an artist to begin with. And okay. he went to um, music and art and to Cooper union and then got bitten by the bug when he went to do, uh, he went to paint some sets at Summerstock or, and where he met all of these amazing people like Mary Rogers and just all these people. And he got bitten. He went and he auditioned for this this crazy casting call for authentic uh, juvenile delinquents for a show called Gangway because it wasn't called West Side Story yet. And he was not a singer. He was not a dancer by any means. Not a dancer. Um, but after you know, numerous callbacks and whatnot. He got the gig as big deal in West Side Story. And then he- In the original cast. In the 1957 original cast of West Side Story. Yes, it's amazing when you're a (laughs) non-dancer to be, and really not a singer, but he had a look. You know, he had a look. And a personality. And a personality. And that, you know, that gang of kids, basically, that he was part of, you know, really inspired him for most of his life when they were creating Annie and, you know, so um, he just, he just, he just had it. He knew it. Met my mom. She was a shark girl. I should say that that's important to understand. (laughs) So they were already, you know, opposition, uh, oppositions on stage as staged by Jerome Robbins to actually not, you know, mingle but they did. And thank God for the show because I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Well, that's great. <laughs> um, and your mother has like this great story is that she is the artwork in the West Side Story posters, like, art, the yes. posters that are licensed around the world. Um, yeah. Check our Instagram for, and I'll <laughs> give it a big circle, but that's like an historic moment. I mean, your dad is in the original cast of Annie. Your mother was paid. What'd you say? Like, yeah, like $25, 25 cents at this day. It keeps changing because she always changes the story. So it, it probably was nothing or 25 cents, you know, to just yeah. kind of be the uh, figure. So she was the female figure and the male figure was Alan, Alan Johnson, Johnson. Yeah. Great choreographer who was the best friend of my parents. And yeah. And that li- and so every time I see it, because a lot of people still use it, it's it's a great it's a great legacy to have. I mean, you were really in this world where you're like born in a trunk. I mean, like, yes, like a literally. real, a real musical theater kid, uh, you know, born with two musical theater parents. There are very few people yes. that come come out okay, and you see to have done very well. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, it's shocking because uh, of this life growing up in Manhattan, um, which was the best possible thing that could have happened for me. So, um, yeah. And so what uh, were your parents doing when you were born? Were your dad directing at that point and writing yes. and your so mom? Father, what was that? Yeah. So my father had decided that acting actually wasn't for him, that he actually wanted to be part of the creative team that makes decisions. That was very important to him. So he started to, he was very, I mean, I have to say he was really probably the most clever person. I, well, my son, actually kind of has now taken that over. Okay. But um, he's the second he, most clever person yeah. in your life. <laughs> he was really so clever and he became a lyricist. I don't know how that actually happens, but he had it in him. Um I will say his father was an opera singer with the Met. Um mm-hmm. but his um his his knack for lyric writing was 
something that was incredible. And he became a lyricist. And then he, after many jobs um, and many shows that closed before opening night and, you know, out of town, whatever, he became, um, he became a director because he realized that that was really what he wanted to do. But he wrote several Broadway musicals as a oh. lyricist with big stars like, you know, Judy Holiday. Right. And then the, uh, with Mary Rogers, he wrote yes. Matahari. Yeah. And then Matahari. Yeah, and too. Matahari. Yeah. And yes. So a various- very, very famous flop, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, flops have now become. I just became part of a Facebook uh, group that's you know famous like Broadway flops. Flop fans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm in that group too. I'll see you there. Yeah, it's a okay. It's yeah. a great group because yeah. here's like all of this stuff that had great promise that just didn't stick. You know, yeah. but he was able to work with the most incredible people. Jack Cole, the choreographer. Um, you know, Vincent Minnelli was the wow. director of uh, Matahari. Uh, whether that was good or bad, you know, <laughs> David Merrick, the producer, Richard Rogers and Harold Arlen were his um, collaborators as composers for wow. um, uh, Two by Two, which was mm-hmm. a big Danny Kaye musical and uh, various other things. So uh, and Mary Rogers. So, um, yeah, it was really kind of great. It was really great. And, you know, there, I'll just keep going. There was like a moment <laughs> when he went into television and he was doing variety specials um, in Los Angeles and we were going to move there. And then he realized that it was really theater for him. So um, came back to New York. We had no money and I'm going to segue. Can I segue? Segue. It's time for the segue. You've told (laughs) the story before. So here we go. It's just recorded now. So in 1971, I guess it was Christmas time. He walks into Double Day Bookstore, which is on Fifth Avenue, which is where Prada is. And I go there often and I stand in the section that he bought this book, which was a present for actually for Alan Johnson, which was the life and heart and and times of Little Orphan Annie, which was a a compilation of all the comic strip uh, comic strips that Harold Gray had illustrated. And he was and he was taken by it and he was reading. I mean, thank God he saw it. Right. Because if he'd gone to like the cooking section or something, it it would not have ended up. No, no, exactly. So. He uh, so he read the entire thing because he was, you know, really avid reader. And he um, he just came up with this idea and he said this would make a great idea for a musical. And, you know, like most people for many years said, what are you crazy? That's the worst idea. And that was from his collaborators, too, who eventually, you know, Thomas Meehan and Charles Strath. The worst idea I have ever heard. And that worst idea has put me through college, paid for numerous things, continues to delight audiences. And sometimes the bad ideas, if you really believe that something like this has legs, you got to go with it. So what do you remember about sort of that time, this bad idea time where he had this idea of this musical and and nobody was getting in the boat of his dream. Here. Right. So what I remember, because I was really young, you know, um, I remember that we lived in Greenwich Village and you want to talk about paycheck to paycheck. But we weren't even he didn't even have a paycheck. You know, it's like in theater. You just I don't even know how we managed to get. By, was your mom working? Kind of, uh-huh. you know, I mean, they live beyond their means always. Which, Same. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. But you know what? They had a great time. Yeah. So, you know, even though times were tough and let's face it, in the early 70s, money was different then. So mm-hmm. you were able to do a lot of things that you simply cannot do now. So they were just kind of, he would go to various composers, um, people to get this thing going. And it took about five years from the time that he bought the book to, you know, he had to buy the rights with no money. I don't know how he did it. Um, but, you know, people also must have thought from the Tribune who published the, uh, the you know, the Chicago Tribune, you know, what is this is a, this a worthless property. Sell it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there had been, you know, Charles Strauss was um, a composer for um, Superman, the musical. So there had been comic strip musicals, but, um, you know, uh, they're, they're, they, they were probably somewhat elated. And um, I just remember that it was he my parents at that point when he started to um, shop it, you know, to get producers and people, they had started to split. So my Saturdays were spent with him. And what did I do? I would go to backers auditions and I would go to numerous houses on the Upper West Side. And I would sit looking out the window, listening to whatever it was that was going on. And, um, you know, just kind of I I kind of got Charles written the score like where there are songs to sing yet. So after Charles had. Um, had signed on and Tom Meehan because I have a script from 1973 where it's I have to tell you that it is really not that different than what was you know put up at good speed okay so where Annie first premiered um so they okay so I did jump forward here so he finally got Thomas Meehan, who was a writer for The New Yorker, to, which <laughs> is so crazy, right? To agree to write a libretto for a musical. Now, that was another kind of, are you crazy? You know, that's not what I do. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. But my father was very convincing when he wanted something. I guess it was the Sagittarius in him or something. He was very convincing and he got him and Charles Strauss to um, finally agree to do something. And then they started writing and it was a collaboration between three people and they would go when they have completed. So in my 73 script, there's no second act. It's just kind of summaries at the top of the pages. Okay. Um, And, but the first act was pretty much written with a lot of stuff that has managed to be recycled throughout the years um, we got Annie was mm-hmm. in the first act and okay. then it, then it turned up just Anne Ron King's big number. Um, Oh, you know, I know. Oh, you know, <laughs> I know, that, I know. Yellow, that yellow dress. Yes, exactly. Um, so they would go to these backers auditions and, you know, thank you. And, and would turn down left and right. I mean, turn down so much so that we have a letter that was sent to from the Needlelander organization, which basically said, ho hum, this doesn't work. Who cares? You know, we're not interested. And the, you know, from a reader called a reader who those people that read scripts, right. And then they don't even get passed on to the next, right. 
So we, he has that letter. He kept that letter. And you have it, right? And I have it. I love it. It's really great. And it's really like, ho-hum, who cares? Who cares? He cared. He cared. And he, so then the other part of it was, um, all right. So they get to, I'm going to keep going, right? Yeah. Just keep going. I'll (laughs) jump in when I, okay. When when I need to fill in. You're hitting all the questions I have. (laughs) Okay. Good. So he gets to Michael Price, who is the, you know, artistic founder, director, whatever, of the Goodspeed Opera House, who was a god and a king in many ways to many of us. So, you know, Goodspeed had created and produced and done Man of La Mancha, which is a monstrous hit after it left Goodspeed, you know, and then it went to Broadway. So this was a place that they were really hoping that they would be able to, um, create this musical and they passed. Wow. And Michael Price credits his wife as saying that when they went to London to go see something, um, he was humming tomorrow. He was humming the song. He didn't know the lyrics, but he was humming the tune. And she said to him, you know what that is? That's that song from that show. And so somehow, by the grace of God, um, they connected, they reconnected. And after numerous back and forth, my father always wanted to be the director. They didn't want him to be the director. But after they auditioned many people who simply didn't have, wasn't the drive, but simply didn't have the passion for the piece, didn't understand it, didn't handle it the way that they had had it for so many, you know, they were sitting with it for so many years, um, finally begrudgingly agreed that he could direct this thing. And so then they, you know, they started casting and numerous people who were. How old are you at this point when we're going? Okay, So I'm about eight or nine. All right. Kind of a perfect age to be in the play. Exactly. He knew that my dad knew that I could sing and that I knew inflections and things. And so that was like good and, you know, whatever. I don't think that he ever really thought about me being auditioning for this thing because there was just too much to deal with. And I wasn't really interested. I wasn't interested in any way, shape or form at that stage of making anything like this a career. Okay. I was interested in being a kid. You know, I was at Little Red Schoolhouse downtown and I was interested in my friends and just doing that. So, so when the Goodspeed summer, are you up there a bunch? Not yet. Um, When it's mounted with him as the director, I do go up. And um, I will say that the three authors, what was really helpful for this musical was that Charles Strauss, Thomas Meehan and my father all had daughters. Yeah in uh, various ages, we were all really young. So that was very helpful. Like when they were doing orphan names, well, we'll, I I, I mean, you can tell it now. Okay. So when they were figuring out orphan names, the original ones were like the toughest, the, this, the, that, right. Um, the sweetest and whatever. And then finally, when they moved to the Kennedy center in Washington, they actually gave them names. So one of them was named July, and that was when I was born in July. What's so, your birthday? July 27th. Oh, I'm the first. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway, July <laughs> babies. It's all good. Um, 
So, uh, so July is you. So and July I love is that. me. Okay. And, uh, you know, like, uh, Danielle Brisbois has a great, you should actually speak to her. I know I have, she's on the list. Yeah. She, um, she'll tell you so much more, but she was so young when she, she credits me for getting her the job because we looked very similar. Okay. So I'm like, well, I think you got the job because you were very (laughs) talented, Missy. And, um, you know, so, so it's very funny. So she had a choice between her names you know, she could be Molly or Marianne. And she, she's like, I'm going to be Molly. She's like, I'm not going to, that sounds like someone's stepmother. You yeah, know, exactly. Exactly. Marianne. <laughs> so I think she, so wisely. She chose so, Molly. Nice to have a choice. You know, I know so that normally that. doesn't happen. All right. Okay. We're going back to good speech. So that's okay. where you go up, you see so this I go thing. up and I meet Andrea McArdle, who is in a stair, a stairway at, good speed. And she's, um, she's got a spray can in her hand and it's uh hairspray in a color. And she is literally spraying her hair. Cause she has now assumed the role of yes. Annie because Kristen Bygard, who's the original was let go because she simply did not fit, you know, what they she didn't have the, the toughness of this streak. Yeah. She Let's just was that. too beautiful yeah. and too sweet. You know, and she knows she's great too. You speak to her. I mean, she's amazing too. Working on it. Nobody can confirm if she ever played the part on Broadway. I think she played it for a half a performance because uh, I can ask her, but she, Andrea had had numerous uh, things happen, like a broken tooth and, you know. She's uh, like getting into a fist fight in the alley. Yeah. We all love Andrea. Oh, okay. All right. So she's something. And yeah, I think she went on a half a time. I think she like second acted. Yeah. All right. We can get more. We'll get to Broadway in a minute. Back to good. So I meet these. So I meet her. She's spraying her hair in the. And I don't, you know, at, at that state, I really don't know what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know anything. I don't know the sound of the voices. I don't know. I don't know anything about this musical that I've been with for, you know, because I'm a kid again. Right. Yeah. So I, I wanted to go to like Woolworths across the street. Most kids don't know happening. like what their dad does all day. Right. Like, exactly. Totally. Exactly. Normal. Now, yeah. had I been smarter, <laughs> I would have been like, yo, listen, listen, listen. to me. OK, you know, I'm going to sing some song and, you know, whatever. So. Um, so I didn't know what was happening and I didn't understand anything. And I go and I watch this show. Oh, and then I'd also met Janine Ruane, who played July. Mm-hmm. And Shelly Bruce was up there visiting. So she hadn't even been part of the show yet. Yeah. You know, and I was and I met Laura Dean, who was uh, in the fame movie and she was an orphan and um, and Danielle. So. I didn't know what to expect. I go to see this show and being a kid behind the scenes is different than being a kid in the scenes. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a different high. It's a different elevation. You're very elevated. You know, you feel very regal um, because you're the daughter of the guy who's doing this. And <laughs> It just felt so empowering and so uplifting, you know, and then the overture starts. It sounds great. You know, I'm still whatever. 
And then the kids are up and it's girls on stage. And it was like, oh my God, what is happening? You know? Your and kids had never been in musicals like this. This is a, well, a there, first. There was Oliver, right? Yeah, so but boys, but not yeah, girls. Yeah. Not girls as a team, right? Yeah. So there were kids, music man, you know, there were kids around, but there were never kids like this singing in keys that were like, what? And you hear, you know, maybe it was great, but you hear that bum, 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 bum. And, and, you know, you will always remember that, right? Yes. <laughs> Whatever key it was in. <laughs> the impossible king key to singing. Yeah, Thanks, great. Charles. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you remember that night sitting in the theater being like, this is very cool. This is beyond anything that I had thought about. Yeah. Yeah. And so the next step was raising some money and going to DC to sort of flush out the show. Before right. Robert. So what happens is they have various. So what happens when you do something like this? So you have various producers come up to your show and then you take a look and see what's going on, whether that's something that they want to raise money for. And, you know, Mike Nichols came up. I don't know how somebody was connected to Mike. I think it was Charles. So he invited him up. He came up and you know, Mike hadn't done any Broadway shows or musicals um, as a producer. He'd been a director. You know, he's mm-hmm. at this type at this time, very uh, famous, but not as a producer. So he was so important for the, um, you know, creation of this whole thing and um, helped the production in many ways. Um, everybody will confirm because as I said, with the script and having that 1973 script, you know, Mike didn't step in to direct it. He helped keep all of the people that come in the producing team and other people come in with their opinions and he helped keep them away Wow! so that the creators, because he understood the process, right? Mm-hmm. So the creators knew that they had a champion in him because they could do the work because they needed to do the work. They needed to polish it. He agreed to do it. And once you get somebody like that, that in that, okay, the reviews were great and awful. There's right? no in between. Yes. No, I was just reading one last night that was so terrible that it's like, if you had a, you didn't have a <laughs> spine you would have just said, forget it. It's done. I'm not doing it. But my dad had a spine, thank God. And then, so they start to put it together and then they go to, uh, they get the Kennedy Center in Washington, DC. And let me tell you, you know how I was saying that you feel regal and like, I really felt like the, you know, like the queen's child. I feel, I felt like the heir apparent then because at that stage, you have David Mitchell set, you're in this giant, stage you have these costumes by theoni aldra it was so beautiful and so smart you know it wasn't and still isn't a kid's show it was a show for everybody it was so smart because of tom and what they had created 
that it was just magical. And, you and it was knew pretty it. massive of a hit in DC. I mean, like yes. people were lined up around the block to try to right. get in to see this thing. Right. And you have to, you have to understand that at that time, you know, no social media, no, it was really word of mouth of people that had gone and, you know, whatever, but it was really just like, you'd no sound, you didn't know the sound yet. You know, the sound of Annie, the sound of the voices that had not been cemented in anybody's brain. Nobody got it except that they knew something of that comic strip. Yeah. So, you know, and then the word and then it started to trickle in and it was and then it was, you know, golden. And how did you sort of deal with this? this excitement of my dad wrote this thing that I kind of should be in, but also that I'm around, you know, like it's yeah. like in the middle of a tornado. I'm sure it was like a reverse proud feeling, you know, when your parents are so proud of you as a kid for coloring something. You yeah. Know? Um, I was so proud to be the daughter of this person. And I didn't really understand still exactly what had happened. Um, but I was so proud and so happy to just be part of something that was this. And then, you know, it comes into town to New York and it's monstrous. I can't even describe like, uh, we could say I, it's like, it was a Hamilton of the time. It was like, it was beyond, beyond Hamilton, that. Yeah. Right. Because I was a kid and there were kids in this thing. And then there were famous people that were coming to this thing. and. The songs were being sung by people and, you know, it was, it was it, to be the toast of Broadway and to see that with all of the work being completely broke, um, wow. you know, I think the story again, keeps changing. It was like, you know, $33 left to buy the New York times and the other papers to read the reviews. And then overnight it was overnight. It changed our lives. Yeah. Overnight. Was it hard for you to watch your dad have those connections with those young girls that were not you? Because it seems as though from everyone I've spoken to that he was such a, like a wonderful champion of these young people and was tough with them, but also warm and like a father, you know, everyone right. says like a father. And yes. if I was the daughter, I'd be like, wait a second, that's my dad. Yeah. I was very involved more so than Kate Meehan, who was Tom's daughter and Victoria Strauss who is Charles' daughter. I was, I was there all the time. Mm -hmm. And he made me feel like I was part of the group. So I was always invited to go to the White House. And I was always invited to be- You know, like Christmas most people special. are. Right. Because <laughs> you don't know any different. It's yeah. like, okay, this is my life. You know, and it just, this is the one that clicked. Um, he always included me in everything, in, including- when Janine was leaving uh, in July or June, yeah. We're getting very uh, close to your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, and very close to camp. Yeah. There's an audition to replace Janine. And so he made me, that was the beginning of him making me, he made me audition for everything that he was involved with. Okay. Pretty much. Tell me about that. Everything. I didn't, it doesn't. It wasn't, I never had nerves. I didn't understand what really what was happening other than this was a cool situation. But I also knew when I was auditioning that I was extremely, and I'm very short, by the way, but I was extremely tall. And, you know, there's a height 
thing that mm-hmm. you can't be too tall and Annie because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, there could be old orphans, by the way, but that was not the story that they were telling. Great. But I was uh, at this stage, I'm like uh, 12. So I, I auditioned. I didn't get it, even though I know that I probably should have. And he did apologize years later. Um, see? See? see I'm, I'm broken. You're just getting, <laughs> we're getting over it today. Well, it would have been so cool. You know? Oh my God, of um, course. Yeah. But, um, but I went to camp because that's what I was excited to do. Did you go to theater camp? Later I did. I went to okay. stage for a manor later. Yeah. But at first you just went to regular camp. I went to Lenora Wesa in Hinsdale, Massachusetts, and I was so happy. But I was happy because my dad created this thing on Broadway that yeah. everybody wanted to go see after camp was over. Okay. So there's always that. There's always mm-hmm. that thing, the connection. Would that be something that, you know, you'd be like, my, how would you bring that up? You know what I mean? Where it's like, everyone knows what Annie is. Every little girl knows what Annie is, especially. And if you're like, my dad wrote that. Like that's Dev, a- I, sometimes I'll do that, but very rarely somebody will actually say, and do you know what her dad did? Yeah. You know, so people are thinking that they, he actually like, you know, cured something or, but I guess he did cure he a did. lot. Of- <laughs> he got a lot of us sucked into this business. Right, in exactly. one weird way. How was your mom through all of this? I mean, to see sort of her ex-husband become like the toast of Broadway after all the struggle, I'm sure it was she tricky. was terrific Great. and supportive because she knew, because she believed in it. Uh, even when they split up, she just knew this thing had legs. I mean, that's when I got that expression. This has legs. You know, she really knew she got it because she was a show business girl too, yeah. woman. So she, you know, she got it and and we were happy. And then, you know, and then 1977, you know, suddenly you're, he was a millionaire overnight. Wow. Uh, and got what he worked very hard to get. And it was great. I mean, she loved it. We had, I mean, it was great. Was there like a level of stress you could feel about him trying to keep this thing also running and keep it at the top and find the next set of girls and all of the things that once you do have a hit, you have to figure out how to maintain the hit and he's the guy, you know, he's driving the car. It was nothing more exciting than casting day. Oh, tell me about Well, I met so many, you know, I have so many great, memories of friends and people that I met along the way who were kids that were auditioning for the show. I always went to the um, kids auditions. I didn't really go to the adults. Um, but Would you like I, sit behind the table? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I was, I would sit behind the table. I would get people coffee. I'm I was so jealous. Involved. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Of yeah. This. Yeah. It's, it's a great, so cool. I know. Sorry, but it was really great. I mean, yeah. it was so cool because I tell, you know, because when you're elevated like that, um, you're just, you're just cool. And then yeah. when, you know, for, for many years, like I'm Martin's daughter, I'm Martin's daughter. Oh my God. Oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And what do you remember about any of those casting things where like, we found the girl, this is the next girl. Well, this pro- is our, yeah. The process yeah. was really cool because they would, they were very gentle with the auditions, you know, because they had kids and they got it, you know? So there were, you know, 4 billion kids at these calls and they had a system down and 
they treated them like people. They mm-hmm. never, you know, so when you were told to be quiet, there was this great level of, you know, kids really paying attention and listening. I don't remember any unruly kids, you know, everybody was on their best behavior because at this stage now, right, you are, it's, some, it's really solid. So you know yeah. what's happening and you want the job because you want to sing at the yeah, top of, of your lungs and you want to scrub the floor and you want to do things. So um, it was a great process to go through because they would eliminate people and then they, and he was just, they were very kind. And my dad would handle the auditions and he handled it pretty much up until the last day, you know, um, he was just very, a lot of people have reached out to me since he passed and have said great things like the experience of auditioning for him was great. And I'm so happy that I had that opportunity because I was treated like a human, you know, I was, I was treated with well, like we're an adult or respect, yeah. you know, of like yeah. you kids are going to be carrying the show. Let's right. give you, let's not treat you like babies. Cause you have to come out here and do the show. That's right. And also week. it's a business. You need to, yeah. you know, you need to get, a, you need to, to grow and you need to learn things and you need to listen. And, you know, God, am I listening to myself saying things like this? And I do sound like him. So it's, it's kind of, it's, so it's, it's rubbed off in the best way possible. Yes. When the Broadway show closed and then a movie was happening, how was that a very tricky thing for him not to be as involved as he probably yes. would have wanted to? Yes. The show was still open, I believe. And the movie was about to, I, I just yeah. remember There's that. an overlap. Yeah. It was exciting when they made the sale. Mm-hmm. It was, and I could send you the variety cover, which he blew up because he, he saved every clipping of everything. I mean, and I would have, have that. Same, yeah. Yeah. Like everything, you know? Um, and it was exciting. And then it turned into, I'm not going to say a disaster, but it was very heartbreaking because Hollywood's really hard. Yeah. And their original producer was, you know, caught with a terrible situation where he had to get, basically resign. So somebody else took over and it was, and it, and it, turned and it changed and they were not very welcoming and they didn't understand, you know, and then on, on the flip side, it's like Broadway people, you know, Broadway and Hollywood are two totally different things. And I learned that on the Annie live. I learned, Mm -hmm. I learned that TV people also, you know, you do have a common goal, but it is totally different business. Yeah. So, and the way that you handle things completely different. Um, what I have learned is that you buy something like this and they simply don't, I'm going to say this because it's been said many times. I'm not going to, you know, this is not news, but you know, you have to trust the product. You can't think really that, um, you know, something that's great that wins seven Tony awards, best musical, best script, you know, whatever you can't. You can try to do things differently. I don't, you have to do it gently. And, it, and if it, it enhances it in a way, then great. But there's this common thing that they think that they can reinvent everything. Yeah. But why? Why do you need to reinvent it? It's great as it is. So in my mind, in my family's view, 
I share this with my brother, my my father's widow, my everybody, my mother, um, is that, you know, it's great. It's not broken. Make a movie that's actually worthy of this piece and don't change it. It doesn't need to be. It's so smart. You know, you have like the man who worked at the New Yorker writing the book. Yeah, of this it's musical. crazy. It's so smart. Don't change it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, I love the 82 movie because it was like my gateway yes. into Annie. And a lot of us have a lot of love for it. And Aileen's yes. performance. And 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 all the performances, Carol. Yes. You know, it's it's a very special movie to a lot of us. But we know that it's not what anyone was and, and, and it's so it, that was a very personal moment that I just went to I just went yeah down. no it, it's I'm but, sure it was like hard to kind of live through to be like yes my dad who had very full hard. control was, of this to yeah not it was have. it was very hard for him to under to that he had they had to rewrite NYC yeah you know they had just run out of money so they couldn't do that because they did this you know, these crazy productions that they ended up cutting. Yes. So, um, the street and the street and all of that. Yes. Never made it. That opening that never, no one ever saw. We went to, um, we went to a, we went to radio city once and, you know, it was really, it was really sad. Like he was very sad. They were very sad because they weren't treated like they had been treated, you know? Um, as the Kings of Broadway, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of awful, but so over the years, it's been very interesting to see how, um, you know, like songs like dumb dog are so important to people and, um, <laughs> you know, let's replace tomorrow with dumb, dumb dog. dog. That is really wild. There you go. But it's a sweet little song. Um, no, it's very sweet. It's very now sweet. were you. Uh, I mean, I, I have, we have so much to talk about, but were you thrilled with the Kathy Bates, Rob Marshall, Annie movie? Because yeah, no, it, like was, it was, that was it, the closest. It was, yeah. It was closer. Um, <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah. I know he was happy with it. Um, that was Rob Marshall, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know that he was happy with it. And, you know, I just, I think that, um, the casting was great. And uh, again, they stuck to they stuck to it. Um, I think there were some things that, you know, the chicness. It was different. It was just it was it was different. But it but there there was happiness all around. Good. good. Um, yeah. yeah. Now you at some point you had to make a decision. Like I'm not interested in the performing arts, but you did it. Like you were 
working as an actor and yeah, jobs. I, was in it. I started like at 13 and then I went to NYU and I was still in it, but. And you understudied Andrew McArdle in something. I Tell did. us that story. Oh my God. So uh, <laughs> Andrew was doing this review at the St. At the St. Regis in the King Cole room. Oh um, I don't even know how I got this gig, but I auditioned for Andrea's understudy because she needed one and uh, I got it and uh, which was crazy. Um, I mean, it wasn't any songs. It was Irving Berlin, which is amazing. Um, and I got to sing her songs. I went on many times, actually. Um, so it was it was great for many reasons. Um, one was that it was understudying her and she was my friend. Two, I got to sing with Larry Kurt, who was my godparent. Amazing. Who was Poor also sign. in the show. Yeah. Three, I got to work with Debbie Gravit and Terry oh. Burrell. And four, Donna Murphy and I were understudies. It's crazy. Donna Murphy was uh, Debbie's understudy. They had actually not hired somebody for Debbie. And I had to go on for Deb for Debbie once, which was weird. Um, that's like the first time I ever wore Yves Saint Laurent on the uh, on, uh, on stage, um, which was great. Uh, that was alarming. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, Donna and I were understudies. <laughs> and so at what point were you like, I don't want to be a performer. I okay. have this other gift. So I have always loved fashion. My parents were the best stylists I ever knew. My father's style was on the, you know, on the flip side of everything else. Everything I learned about style was from my parents, um, you know, because they worked, they would, would style things and with things from all over the place because, you know, there was no internet. There was, you know, New York was you different. You kind of just had to be eclectic and yes, exactly. find a piece here and a yeah. You know, I think so here, my yeah. dad, you know, who's like this big fashion plate would always do something like he'd wear a big fox fur coat with jeans and loafers and tube socks. It's sort you know, of what he was wearing the one time I met him. Right. Of course. Right. <laughs> larger so got, than life. Larger than life. So, yes. you know, he's like six one and, you know, yeah. it's just like awesome. Um, yeah. So between him, my mother, who was incredible, who incredible style and my father met this woman who changed my life. Um, my stepmother, Jade Hobson, she was the, at the time, the, um, one of the fashion editors at Vogue. So when that happens, um, the same time that I auditioned for Annie <laughs> and was going to camp, I met her and my meeting with her were two. One was on a shoot with the great Chris von Wagenheim, who's an who was an incredible photographer. And the second was to go to the Vogue fashion closet just to like, wow, say hi. that was it. Yeah, that was it. Lightning bolt through my head. Right. So I went to NYU. I got my degree. The second that I graduated, I was off to Vanity Fair. That was it. I was going to fashion. I didn't care about show business anymore. This is what I wanted to do. And, you know, I was smart because what was I going to do? I was going to wait tables. Yeah. I was the worst waitress in the history <laughs> of waiting. I've, anybody can confirm that who I waited on. 
So, um, hopefully they don't remember it. Wait, did you work with Madonna while you were at NYU and you dressed her for something? Is that what happened? That's the Madonna story. Right. So during my NYU, I think it was the summer that I graduated. So my friend who worked on, was working on the show as kind of like an intern in the writer's room for, um, David Rabe, I think wrote, right. Goose and Tom Tom. So the writer's uh, had found out that they, the costume designer needed somebody to, um, assist, assist him. And I was called in as an assistant to Kevin Dornan, the late Kevin Dornan, who was the costume designer in a show called Goose and Tom Tom at Lincoln Center. And I was the dresser to Madonna, Lorraine Bracco. And then I was the picker up the clothes after the show was over Harvey Keitel, Barry Miller, and Sean Penn. Oh my God. What? <laughs> what an experience you have? That's like the cool part. It's like, that you know, cool. you go from this one thing to that. Um, yeah. And also like you're used to being around celebrities. I mean, Madonna was right. Madonna yet. Is that right? Yes. yes. We had a run in. We had a run in where she called me. Hey, you. She's like, hey, you get me. A-. First of all, I mean. You know, I've, yeah, I met Fred Astaire. I met like really great, incredible, crazy, great, huge stars, but Madonna, forget it. So I'm, you know, I, I think my jaw was on the floor most. She was so little that it, and I wasn't tall, but it, it was like, oh my goodness. So when I, when I saw her, she said, Hey, you get me a mirror. So you know, I, I made a decision very quickly in my mind. I could either get fired by giving her some lip or I could just say, you know, listen, my name is Sasha. I'll get you whatever you need, but you know, you can't talk to me like that. And I went for the latter, which was ballsy at, yeah. and, at that time. And then great. She left me alone and then everything was fine. And so you've had this tremendous career working at various magazines and now at CBS, yes. um, sort of being this creator of what looks should be. And I watched like a million YouTubes of you talking about various fashion things. And you just have this like amazing sense of what's cool and what's not and what works and what doesn't. What kind of things are you, do you do to like figure that out? Knowing nothing about that world. I very luckily was born with a good eye about yeah. stuff like this. And, you know, you either have it or you don't. Honestly, there's a lyric, right? You either, you either have, have it or it you have it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I could sing it too. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, I just have uh, an eye for it. And I know I'd like to go a, 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 an extra step to find something that's so great and so unique. And um, I can, so my job had basically become what's called a market editor which is finding clothes for shoots that that's what I did for magazines for many years. And that is just knowing who you're working for, what you need to do. How do you bridge a relationship? And a lot of my show business, um, you know, training worked for me because I had no fear. I had no fear when I met Carl Lagerfeld, I had no fear when I met Stella McCartney. I had no fear when I met in the same people. way your dad had no fear trying to sell this idea. No exactly. one wanted exactly. Yes, it's exactly. amazing because yeah. my idea is the best idea that you've ever heard. And if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. All right, I need. I'm going to take a page from this book. It's so 
you're you're brilliant. We have to touch down on yes. the Annie Revivals, Annie Warbucks, and then right. we'll do quick fire questions. Okay. Look at your face. They say Annie Warbucks. So <laughs> your dad worked really hard to get a sequel of Annie to happen, Annie 2, right. which closed out of town. And then right. subsequently became Annie Warbucks, which I saw when I was like 11 okay. at the Variety Arts Theater and was right. very obsessed with it. Um, it was kind of like he was back to a little bit square one trying to make this thing happen again. Yes. Um, and you're a little bit older now. So what do you remember about uh, sort of the Annie 2, Annie Warbucks time? Well, Annie 2 was very devastating because we went and we knew that it wasn't working. I mean, yeah. it wasn't working to a point where it was hard to tell him that it wasn't working. We started out, yeah, it's great. And then by the end of the lunch or dinner, or whatever, actually it probably started as lunch and then turned into dinner, right? <laughs> um, we were like, it actually sucks. You're going to have to go back and, you know, and, and we gave it to him. Um, we just said, you know, it's just not, it's A, not Annie and B, it shouldn't be Annie, but there's so many elements that are missing. And then he knew, he knew that they, you know, they, they robbed their audience of what the kids were coming for. I mean, they came for this, you know, this great thing with kids dancing and whatnot, and there were no kids in it. I mean, yeah. there were kids in it, but it wasn't, it didn't. So it Annie, about them. right. It was about Dorothy Loudon and, you know, Miss yeah. Hannigan and just didn't work. So that was heartbreaking when, uh, it failed. Mm -hmm. Um, but he was used to failure. Um, so you know, but I think the reviews were really biting and I think it's hard to recover from it, but he did. Um, and then he reproved it and turned it into Annie Warbucks. And then they worked for a long time into Annie Warbucks, which happens to be a, a, a musical that a lot of people actually really love. It's very and, charming. Yeah. And it was, um, and that was great, you know, and then of course it was a snowstorm and then that uh, killed the run, but um, in New York. And uh, because the audience is simply. And then a, an original producer also was maybe Annie's dad. Is that a true story? No, that, that no. story has not. No, okay. no. Oh, you, uh, was it Lauren Gaff? Are you talking about Lauren Gaff? Yeah, I thought that the whoever was before Captain Zaremba. Right. Was no. let go. She got really big and her dad pulled out money. Like that was the story that. No, I actually have heard you say that before. And I that's don't not believe true. that that's true. All right. Lauren Gaffney was you know, almost like part of the family, yeah. um, in many ways, but I, I think he was heartbroken actually when she did get too tall for the role and mm -hmm. you could see it, you know, like that video that, 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 Oh yeah. Uh, they're around chasing the around the table. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Pantages would love that song love, which I love. Um, yeah. you could see that she's getting too tall and she was, you know, she was ready to, she was ready to go. Um, Catherine, I remember seeing Catherine the first time, when she did the other woman, right. Uh, that song from the, um, from the Annie Warbucks. And I said to my dad, I was like, you know, that little girl, I didn't know who she was at the time. And I said, she really has it. And she's it, she yes. got it. And yeah. she was, you know, she's, and now God, she's so talented. You see what she's doing now? Yeah. She, she makes wallpaper and she's a designer and yes. she's so and a mom cool. and so cool. She's just also so. like the coolest girl. And, yeah. uh, and so she's she, had such a great story yeah, and journey. Yeah. yeah. Off Broadway was a great place, a great, you know, place to mount the vehicles that you wanted to do because then you would have, it's like going out of town and you had the mm -hmm. time to actually, you know, work on it and, and, and create it. So, um, he was still in New York, so it, he didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was, uh, he was actually very excited and then started to do 
smaller things, because I think he knew, and he is quoted as saying this, that he was um, probably not going to have a hit to the, the, the colossal scale that, and then look at Annie today, musically, yeah, you know, something's coming up that on a season finale of a great that I can't talk about, but I'm going to okay. say kind of, you know, a season finale of an incredible uh, episodic show um, that even one of the songs is going to be included, I think, um, th- that still to this day, 45-ish, six years later, it's still in the conversation. We're still having this conversation. I know. And there, yeah. and people love the Annie content because yes. it was the thing that got them to love theater and Broadway yeah. and that changed love- their trajectory yes. of their lives. And that's because of a lot of people because of Annie. And so, you know, obviously it's one of the most revived musicals. I mean, having the, we, I have to just, I just have to ask about <laughs> 97. How could I ignore it? Okay. So <laughs> What was your, from your view of that whole situation with Joanna and Brittany and the switchover? And I mean, that had to have been a very hard thing for your dad to like kind of deal with. And from Joanna's perspective, she, she felt so taken care of by your dad through the hardest thing. Yeah. I heard your podcast with her. She was very gracious, by the way. I I was very taken with her. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because she was so young when that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he was very busy at the time. So he was doing that. He was dealing with Nell Carter. He was, because they were putting yeah. in new numbers and she was a star to a level that was different than what they had kind of, you know, been, uh, had worked with before. And um, so he really needed to work very hard on that and, um, on you know, on getting the great performance out of her. And then, Uh, He was working on a Joan of Arc musical. So he was kind of all over the place. And I think that it was very heartbreaking when, um, because the producers ultimately were the ones that uh, made the decision to fire her. Mm -hmm. And um, I just remember that it just didn't go down well. It wasn't great. Um, And then suddenly Brittany was in it. She's, I mean, she was fantastic, very young kid. Um, could sing the score, no problems. I think that it was a strange time because they, you know, the, 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 um, the turning point, uh, ABC, Barbara Walters special b- broadcasted all the bad stuff about it. Yeah. Like all it was the, so you know, salacious. I mean, yes. it's, until our recent funny girl drama, there's not been a lot right. of that no. kind of thing on Broadway. It just, it's true. It's, it just goes under the wire. No one normally it's cares. But it's true. Is- and still thank you know, and thankfully at that point, no social media yet. Right. Yeah. So it was just based on that. And that was that. And it was hard that, um, you know, it came in and then it wasn't received in the way that they, they had anticipated it. And I think it was very hard for them all. Yeah to deal with the situation. So, um, you know, it's, it is a business, but you have to be, you know, emotional about it. So and it also feels like there's always another Annie around the corner because then after that, then there was the TV movie that right. was quite beautiful. And then obviously you had the last revival, which your father did not direct, right. uh, he which he should have, um, but that's a whole separate podcast. Well, that, you know that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a whole thing. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting because I can say this now because he wouldn't, I mean, yeah, I talk I talk to him all the time. I'm sure. Um, 
it was hard. That was really hard. But I think that at that point, it would have been okay for him to kind of let go of the baby, right? Yeah. And he didn't. And I think that he could have. And uh, it, it, it set him in a, in a bit of a spiral, a mental kind of challenging spiral, just about, you know, and I would say to him, you know, think about this. Um, so you, they're doing it. It's great. It's up. It looks, you know, it's fine. Everything's good, you know, whatever. Um, but think about the fact that you've written a song that I would say, uh, everybody in the world knows. Yeah. <laughs> so just that gives people hope. And that, yeah. you know, so think about the kind of positive side of it. And I would say that to him many times and, it, it's one thing. And I, I always say to him, I'll always tell you the truth. And, you know, and, and um, that worked a little bit, you know, but it was still, it was still really hard, but he should have, I think, let go of it a little bit and just let it breathe. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I think he could have been used a little bit more for you know, certain beats and things that are very important, but it just um, seemed to have, not been touched on in that yeah, particular production. It was not like, at all. oh, you know, there's that's supposed to be funny, right? Right. Um, there was right. a lot of that, but yeah. um, you know, yeah. and and it's in his DNA. You know, he set that show a million times. He understands. Yeah. Well, I the think joke. That he thought that there were stupid things that were put in there, like the kids didn't need accents because in Manhattan, where we all grew up. I mean, my dad grew up in Washington Heights. My, you know, my mother grew yeah. up in Brooklyn. I mean, well, she had an accent, which she got rid of. But um, but in Manhattan, where this thing happens, there are very few things. You don't really have an accent. You say words differently, like water. Yeah. You know, um, you say things differently, but you don't really have an accent. So I think that really hurt. And you hear it in some of the recordings. And it's just really, it's just, it's one of, you know, the lyric she um she's sitting playing piano like that's betcha that's it. piano that's it you get that's it. it you get it you got it it's you know it's good move we on. don't need yes officer on a leash yeah. with the license it's awful. I was like where it's, am i it's, it's awful it's it was, awful that was and not I, the and right move jen thompson who is now directing this yes we're about tour. to talk about this oh it's, sorry did i segue no it's great I, I just guess. i i just want to say that you know obviously people are listening but your dad you know died in 2019 and now yes. you are uh and the community all felt this great sadness because of what he created and what he's done for so many of us yes. and i'm sure that you felt that as Thank well you. but now you're responsible for this property yes. and what's to come with it, which is kind of an amazing place to be for a kid yes. who grew up with this. So I wanted you to just kind of, before we wrap up, just touch on what you want to do now with this show that right. you get to be a part of what happens in the future. Yes. Well, one thing that's really kind of great is that it's not just us. We are a team of people. The, uh, the Means, the Strausses, and the Charnins are all part of a team that we'll call Broadway Mafia. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really kind of great. And we, you know, basically have the same idea, uh, share the same views of how these moving forward, how productions need to go. Um, and, uh, and it's great. It's a great collaboration to be part of, of that. Um, and so there's an all new tour going out this fall. And then there's a new tour that's going out from the, the, a Troika who 
had actually produced the last tour that my dad um, worked on recently um, is now sending out this huge tour across the United States. And the thrilling thing is that Jen Thompson, who's an incredible director and also a great friend of my husband and I, we all went to high school together. Mm -hmm. um, she's directing it and um, we couldn't be more thrilled um, that she's doing that. And Jen was Pepper on Broadway. So yes. it makes it even more so incredible. And we've had several discussions about certain things, you know, and just like little lyrical things. I'm like, get rid of those accents. And, um, <laughs> you know, and she said, don't worry, everything, you know. So she's, it's, it's so exciting. And, you know, she has a daughter and it's just, it's really, it, so I haven't been, I'm going to go see the one of the rehearsals before they go. Um, but, uh, and you know, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a large tour. I've seen, did you see the costumes are up? The, no, uh, I haven't looked at any of that. I'll check it okay. out. Okay. So the sketches are up. The sets look amazing, you know, and they okay. have to play. It's, it's like a, it's a touring company. Yeah, so, so they're going to be in 5,000 seat theaters. Right. 5,000 yeah. seat, but only for three nights. Yeah. And then, and then they travel and then they go to an, yeah, it's, they're huge venues, but you know, it's very exciting. And, um, Casting was, you know, genius. And um, I think that it, it's going to be in her hands. It's going to be it. We're very we're very excited. All and I'm sure you'll be able to excited. see your dad so much on stage in that. Well, it's like, going to be really hard, it, you know, yeah. to hear it all. It, it, all it needs to do, because I'm a crier. So <laughs> all it needs to all it needs to happen is I just need to hear. Every time, every time. Tears, to, yeah. you know, just like total tears running down my face. Uh, it'll start it. right there. She said, and you, she said yeah, the go same ahead. thing happened to her. Now, when she had the orchestra play, she said the same uh, thing happened to her. And she are actually, you, yeah, sorry. Are you working on, I just want to quickly touch on the Tomorrow yes. Project and re releasing your dad's book, right. which I have up there. But, oh, thank um, you. <laughs> no, it's a great book. But yeah. um, I, uh, what what can we expect from you know well the, the tomorrow project my husband and my brother are working on this great um drive this this great thing that's um kind of under wraps for the moment but um really taking the the message of hope and and putting it to good use so they're working on that we are working on camps we are working so i'm working to revisit his book because it's out of print and um <clears throat> to it's a great story like everything that i just basically yeah. told you is that story and, and so, there's beautiful photos it's a, it's a gorgeous yeah story. it's very um behind the scenes photos of things that you want to see because it's not only people who came backstage but it was just the process and lyrics and you know, uh, that were never seen. And yeah, there's like <laughs> all those script pages ripped out. Yes. Yeah, coming back. It's a great book. Yeah. Yes. It's thank you. It's very cool. And it's just really uh, an, a very fun, great thing to, uh, I wish, you know, I would give it all back if I could just get them back. I mean, you yeah, know, of course. that's how that's, that's that. So, cause he had such a drive with it. I mean, he was, um, I think he was 83. And he was still going, you know, yeah. he was like still into it. So, but uh, for being there for all of the times that I was there with him, um, 
you know, and my brother was also a stage manager on the um, companies in California on the second, wow. uh, second right. national company. Um, you know, we're, and my husband who we've been together for 42 years. And so it's like, uh, and he was a Broadway kid. So you need to speak to him. He's worked oh, with like great. the greatest. Yeah. He needs, he's worked with Julie Stein and all oh, these God, incredible. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so we're very committed to moving the message forward. Great. So whether it's the tomorrow project, whether it's the book, um, whether it's getting this, uh, you know, sung all the time for commercials and whatnot, whether it's uh, the Troika tour, it, it, it's a commitment. It's, and it takes, you know, it takes like a lot of time, but there's nothing more joyous than, you know, furthering the message, spreading the love. Well, the legacy lives on forever. There's no, there's no stopping it. There's no stopping Annie. It's, you know, just something that will, I mean, is done uh, probably every day somewhere in the world. You know, there's yes. some middle school, elementary school, theater academy, professional production. There's, there's no uh, shortage of Annie. You, you talking about it constantly yes. and knowing more. Okay. You know more about I know things. a lot, but it's not like, it's just in my head. And it's so weird because there are people who come up to me like, oh, you have the Annie podcast. I'm like, I talk to a lot of people who are not right. in Annie, but it's fine. Yes. We'll go. Yeah. But it. every other picture is like somebody in a red wig. Well, because dress. it's the gateway drug of every kid. So like yeah. every kid that has gone on to stardom, it's like, did yes. you get to do Annie somewhere? You know, it's yeah, like, right, exactly. Salonga. like everybody, right. every first has, job. Taylor Swift, everybody every has an Annie first story. job. Yeah. So we talked about Annie. Yeah. When I met Taylor Swift, her mom said to me, you know, I worked with her when I was at us weekly and her mom said to me, you know, her first job was July in Annie. <laughs> And I was like, oh my See? God, Stace. it's it's in everyone's DNA. Do I know we're a little over? Do you have time to do a quick fire question? Of course, of course. Of course okay, of course. here we go. Okay. What was your first audition song? Oh my God. Oh my God. I wish I would have written this down. Okay. My first audition song was probably The Hard Knock Life. Great. Good, yeah. good song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was the first Broadway show you saw that you remember? Hair. Okay. You have to pick one. Annie original movie, Annie TV movie, or Annie live. I'm not counting the other Annie movie. Wait, were those the Annie movies? Did you just those are the, the real, the, the three big movies. So oh, we have Annie okay. live, Annie TV movie, Kathy Bates, Annie original movie, Aileen Quinn. Okay. I guess I'd pick Annie live. Cause we worked on it. Maybe. All right. No, no. I, you know what? I can't. I, can I pass? You can pass. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. What's, yes. You have an answer? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. The first Annie movie, because it's, because we were, and, because it was it, fun and we were involved in it. And you made money. And there we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did, I did, yeah. Okay, great. Um, what celebrity has the best style? Oh my God. Oh my God. Zendaya. Okay. Um, a celebrity you would like to style that you haven't worked with? Zendaya. Great. Um, <laughs> casting you wish you could have seen in any production of Annie anywhere. Any person, like any Miss Hannigan. I would Hannigan. have loved to have seen Elaine Stritch play oh! Miss Hannigan. And I'll tell you why she didn't do it, if you want to hear that. Really yes. Yes, duh. Okay. So she was living in London, right? And she, mm -hmm. of course, was would have been the first choice for... London, but she wasn't the first choice for Broadway. So I think that she made a very wise decision for her career 
in saying, not that I was going to ever give Elaine Stritch advice, but I think she had told them that because she couldn't originate the role that she uh, declined playing uh, Miss Hannigan, but that would have been insane. Yeah. I love it. Um, (laughs) Favorite thing about the Bay Ridge Century 21. Oh oh my God. Well, (laughs) I loved the Bay Ridge Century 21, uh, which is not in operation anymore, but it's coming back. I don't know if it's coming back to Bay Ridge, but um, I just love that they had everything I wanted that nobody else wanted because, you know, uh, t-shirts were selling there when I was buying Dolce & Gabbana and Helmut Lang. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. (laughs) What was your dad's favorite musical? Hmm. I'm going to say Oklahoma. Okay. Um, Do people believe you when you say your dad? Hold on, hold on. Wait, go back. Sorry. My dad's favorite musical is like a split. I think Oklahoma for everything that it was. Mm -hmm. And then I think he just really loved In the Heights. All right. Yes. Um, Do people believe you when you say your dad wrote Annie or are they like, you're lying? Never. (laughs) They believe it. I mean, why would anybody lie? It's like the, the best. It's like the weirdest, best thing. Okay. Did you have a terrible survival job? Well, I think you mentioned being a waitress was not ideal. Was there anything worse no. than that? Okay. Uh, well, working my first job in fashion at Vanity Fair. After I said, you know, the first thing I was going to do was go to Vanity Fair. That was the, my worst job, but it was the best because I was so entitled in my mind and so ambitious. And I was put in my place and fired um, because I was titled and ambitious. And then I, and I learned everything that I needed to know from that first job. There you go. Thank Who God. was your high school celebrity crush? You mean at PCS? Just like when you were like in high school, who were you, who'd you have a crush on? Oh, so William Morrison was this actor who was in eighth grade and I was in 11th and I married to him. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that so much. All right. Um, who was your favorite Annie? I don't even think you can answer it. Oh, damn. You well, could say look, who like lives in your heart. Uh Andrea, for obvious reasons, A, because we're friends, B, because, you know, you have to understand that something that's really interesting is that, you know, she created the sound, right? She created what the sound was going to be, which I touched on earlier. And it's very important to know that the reason why any of the kids kind of sound the way that they do is because of her. So for many reasons, you know, that um, the fact that I adore her and love her and just actually just worked with her on something. Um, she was doing her nightclub act at 54 Below and I went to see her and did, they had some, you know, costume malfunction the night that I went to see her. And I, and I took her hands in my hands and I said, you're dressing like a nun. We need to change it. So I came the next night with just all of this stuff and she wore it and it changed a lot of things. And she looked, you know, incredible, like the star that she is. The but, fashion baby. Yeah. Yes. But I think that, um, yeah, that, uh, yeah, she created that, the that sound. sound. Yeah. And that was, and it's very important to always pay homage to someone who, and that was natural, you know, yeah. that was, that was well, she like sounds something. exactly the same now. Yeah. I mean, it's it was exactly, it's like yeah. crazy. There's it's, nothing, you know, it wasn't like she went to vocal lessons or I don't think she ever took a lesson in her life, honestly. 
She said her aunt Joan was the one that um, she got that sound from. It, it feels right. Um, are you a true crime follower? And if so, is there a crime you'd like to have solved? <laughs> oh my God. I don't even, uh, I can't even answer that because I'm totally, um, I, I don't, um, you would need yes. to be like, you. Yes, yes, she has one. Uh, I wish, what could I have solved? Oh Jesus. No, 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 no. I just, I am a true, true crime follower. Yes. Yes. Great. Yes. I just like the details. We love a detail. Yes. I mean, we all want to know what happened with JonBenet. I think that's got to be Oh, my it. God. Were we talking about that? No, but oh I, my God. It's, it's in the front of my mind at oh my all God. times. <laughs> I'm like making a sandwich. I'm like, sorry, sorry. To that oh, my girl? God. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. I'm going to answer it like I'm actually giving you. That was so genius. I, I'm going to answer just, it like I said it. Okay, okay great. So what crime would you like to have solved? JonBenet, hands down. I'm leaving all of this in. It's too good. <laughs> Um, okay. Um, we're almost done. Um, what is one style or trend that you hope does not come back? They should all come back because you know what? It all means something to everyone. And if you can make a work and make me rethink something that I was poo-pooing on, then I, you know, I, I just bought, I just bought cowboy boots yesterday. Now I didn't think that I would, I'm watching this, uh, 1883, you know, this mm-hmm. incredible thing yeah. on Paramount Plus, because that's where I work. Um, I'm watching this thing and it's so incredible. And now all I want are cowboy boots. All so right. um, so people will probably frown on that. I probably will return them when they arrive. But uh, if, it, if you can make it work and make it great, do You'll it. Make it work. Um, have you ever left a show at intermission? Yes. Several. Have you ever have you ever left an Annie production at intermission? Never. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> what was the last Broadway show you saw? Uh, well, you know, we're talking like pandemic. Um, but sadly, the last one that I saw, I believe, was Hedvig. Oh, my God. Long, that's like it was a long a time ago. ago. I know. I know. We got to get you back to the time. theater. I know. I, I got to do it. It's terrible. What is one thing you think little girls should know who are playing the role of Annie? That's a question I got from a bunch of people <laughs> to ask you. Oh, that's so nice of yeah. them to even take the time to think about that. Um, you have to listen. You have to trust your material. You don't have to compete with the ones that have come before you because the thing is you make that role unique to yourself and you stay true to yourself and enunciate and know what you're singing and you don't have to scream. We're in a strange era of screaming shows yeah. Which I know my father would just absolutely, uh, you know, not be just into dislike. It. Yeah. yeah, and I just feel like you have microphones now on your heads. You don't have to scream. You can just bring you, which is something that he would say, into the role and um, and trust your instincts. Trust and listen and, and listen to your director. Listen to your director only if they're smart. Um, Sasha, you are a genius and you have like My this God. incredible story. And I'm so grateful you shared it with me and all of us. Can you tell the people where they can follow you to see what's up and also like what to wear and what not to wear and all that fun <laughs> stuff? Yeah. Well, the best place is probably Instagram. So my handle is at Sasha Charney Morrison, all three names. Um, and you, as I said, it's like, you know, just make it your own and don't listen to what anybody tells you. Just be you. 
because there's, there's not another. Well, you're incredible. Thank you so much. Everybody loves you. All of these, all of these orphan girls are like, Oh my God, you're going to talk to her. You're, she's the best. So I love you're, them. You're so loved. And uh, I just thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash little me. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.